Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. Well, the University of Oregon will be among the teams uh, on Friday at Pac-12 Media Day. Dan Lanning, the Ducks coach, will be enduring his second media day. Uh, he will have Bo Nix along with him, among uh, others, and uh, Matt Preem, 24-7 Sports. Does a hell of a job covering Oregon. Great follow on Twitter. He's taken up golf as a hobby. He is also a smoker and a, not a smoker in the bad sense, but a smoker and a barbecue guy. What do we call that? Do we say, like, how do you introduce yourself, like, when you're talking to people about all the meats that you smoke and cook? You're not a smoker, but what are you? No. Uh, I would say I, I, would, I enjoy to partake in the uh, barbecue festivities. <laughs> I love that. He enjoys to partake in the barbecue festivities, and here he is. Um, hey, how's your golf game before we get into this stuff? You've been playing like a maniac. I follow you on all your socials, and you, you're out there any chance you can get. Oh, yeah. Uh, I try and take it as much as I can. Um, some guys I grew up with dating back as far as first grade, we just went to Bend. And uh, I'm the – we played at a golf tournament. It's called the Boys Invitational. And uh, I'm the second-best golfer of the group. Me and the first-best golfer, we came in uh, dead last and second to last. So our games are not good right now. Well, that's that's rough. That's the that's why that game, it humbles you. Will you play in Vegas? Yeah. It's only going to be about 120. Will you play there? I'm, I'm researching it. That's what we're at right now, John. Um, see, I'm crazy. I, I know I'm psycho. The heat doesn't bother me. As long as, <laughs> as long as there's no humidity, which there won't be, um, the heat doesn't bother me. It, it's not. It's not an issue. Like I, I wanted to go golf uh, a couple days ago down here in Eugene when it was 100 degrees outside. I was like, oh, this is like perfect weather to go golfing. Like I, I, I'm psycho. I know it's not normal. I, I know I have problems, but that's where my mind is at. Give me an idea. Like, what do you do? Do you get a tea time of like four thirty in the morning? Is that how you do it at that that kind of heat? Or what do they do? Do you know? Oh, I mean, if I if I yeah, you can play at five thirty in the morning. I know that's a big thing in Phoenix, um, just down the street. Uh, I'm assuming it's the same thing there in Vegas. Um, those are the prime tea times. But I'm cheap. I'm a sports journalist. Uh, I I'm totally cool with going out there at one o'clock when it's going to be 112 degrees. Just bring water. Let's see it. Let's see it. Make sure you hydrate. Uh, Matt Prem, 24-7 Sports with us. All right, the questions for Media Day. Dan Lanning will speak, uh, among others, but what do you want to hear from Oregon's coach uh, this Media Day? Um, I, I hope we get a, a legit answer, not the generic version of it, but just I'm curious of just what the learning curve was like year one for him because there was a lot of good that happened in 2022, um, but – it started off with a humbling 49 to three loss to the champs, Georgia. And then I think, what did you learn about, you know, managing a game like in Washington uh, when your most important player goes down with an injury? How, how do you better prepare yourself for something like that? Can you be more better prepared? Uh, And then the Oregon state game when, you know, you literally just couldn't stop the run. Um, and you had some questionable play calls in those situations, in those games. Uh, I, I, I think for him it would be just what did you how do you how do you improve? How do you take a step personally from year one to year two as a head coach? We always hear coaches talk about 
year two in the system for a player, it, it, you know, they make a leap and bounds jump. What do we see out of Dan Lanning in his, you know, year one to year two jump? And then, you know, I, I'm kind of curious. AI seems to be the hot topic uh, right now across all spectrums of life. Um, I, I kind of want to throw him a curveball and be like, do you see AI helping at all in the coaching world? Mm. I love that. Uh, the, you know, I'm, I'm curious too because I think a lot of times we we dismiss the recruiting part of coaching, and it is, you know, we think of coaching as X's and O's in preparation and fall camp and game management, but recruiting is such a big part of it, and we all know it. But how did how did you like how do you, when you look at the off season for Dan Lanning, this first off season? Did he right. get did he get better? Did he get better players than than maybe uh, you would have expected off just a you know a pretty good first season? Yeah, I I think the fact that they went out and they landed um one five-star player speaks volumes. It's a defensive end, edge player Mateo Ungalele. Um I I think that fits his persona so that helps a little bit, you know, hey is Dan Lanning going to line a five-star? Yeah, it's going to be at a defensive end or an edge-type player. Okay, that makes a lot of sense. But for a long time, uh, he had a quarterback that was a five-star. And if Kenny Dillingham was still the offensive coordinator, that probably still – that kid is still here. Um, but to then be able to, to pivot like he did and to flip Nova Sad, who was almost a top-ten quarterback in the country, I think that's impressive. I think you look at – the fact that they landed one of the best athletes in the country in Kenyon Sadiq, who's going to be a tight end for Oregon. Um, you look at their list of, of commits, and a lot of these guys in his first class uh, are, are are on the offensive side of the football. And, and I, I, I'm remissing here. Uh, he had signed not one but two five-star players, Draymond Dickey, a receiver. Um, he, he's on campus now. So, I, I think he's done a really good job from a recruiting perspective, but where I'm probably most impressed is his ability to flip the roster via the portal. And they've added, what, 15, 16, 17 transfers. And it's the ability to find players that are starters at other schools. Nico Reed was a was an, almost an all-conference caliber cornerback for Colorado, one of the few good players that they had last season. Gary Bryant Jr. was a fantastic return specialist for USC. Uh, he's gone out and added a couple starters from Ole Miss. He, he took Evan Williams, um, Bennett Williams' younger brother. Many people thought Evan was going to go to the NFL, not uh, go back to college at a different school. Jordan Birch, Tez Johnson, you know, Cornelius, Angelau, two linemen there. Uh, he took two starters from Alabama. Um, I, I, Justin Jacobs is another starter from Iowa. So I, I think his high school JUCO traditional air quotes recruiting was pretty good. But I was really impressed with what they were able to do from a transfer portal perspective of going out and landing guys from all levels of football, Power Five, Group of Five, and FCS, and find guys that are starters and add them to the mix. They might not be starters here at Oregon, but look, if, if you've got a Group of Five starter that's an all-conference player – and he shows up and is, is good with being a guy that is a air quotes role player, air quotes off the bench, your depth takes a huge jump. And that's something that he commented on the first day of spring ball was their depth was night and day better um, from when it was when he first arrived. And a lot of these guys, they were here at spring ball for that. We're talking to Matt Prem, 24-7 sports. Uh, Bo Nix will be there as well. He came back. Yep. 
big NIL deal, of course. Uh, big advantage for Will Stein as offensive coordinator. What do you want to ask Bo Nix? Just what did last year teach you? You know, you were so good um, in your in your four year career that your senior year, uh, and, and so I'm I'm curious to to how, you know, see what he says to just what last year taught him and and how can he replicate what he did last season? And some of that may, you know, how much of that is because there's familiarity with Kenny Dillingham, who's no longer here, the head coach at ASU, who will be speaking right after Bo Nix, Will Stein's the new OC, but just how much does that confidence of, you know, every athlete has confidence. You can't be at that level and and trust and not trust yourself. But I'm sure if you gave him some, some true serum, there'd be a little bit of some, you know, feeling of, hey, yeah, when I left Auburn, I wasn't in a good place. I wasn't playing good. Our program wasn't winning. And and to be able to make that big jump, you know, in, in year one at Oregon, uh, it's got to be pretty gratifying. And, you know, I'd, I'd just be curious to know what, you know, what what, uh, what did that, that year teach you and how can you take those lessons to apply them into this season to ensure that you're as good, if not better, because, there, I, I feel like John. There's more pressure on Bo this year than there was last year to be good and and to to make sure that Oregon is as good, if not better than they were um, a year ago. Just because, okay, you've gone out and shown it. And if if, if last year didn't happen for Bo Nix and it didn't really work out, and all of a sudden, uh, you know, a different quarterback in November is in the in the field at uh, for, for Oregon instead of Bo Nix in 2022 and Oregon's seven and five at the end of the year, you know, I, I, I think there'd be some surprise there, but there would also be some kind of like, well, yeah, like he really wasn't the elite quarterback when he showed up. There was definitely some hot or cold feelings on his addition when he showed up uh, and, and, and season maybe got away from him and they, and they went to a different direction to build towards the future. I think there's more pressure this year on Bo to, to be really good than there was last season. Is he better equipped to handle it? Oh yeah, I, I, I'm I'm really impressed with with Bo. Um, just from a mental standpoint, off the field standpoint, he's up there with Marcus Mariota and Justin Herbert in terms of deflecting the noise, deflecting the pressure, deflecting the praise, um, and just he, look. He's the son of a high school football coach. He's been around the game a ton. Um, he is as good if you know, as if not the best that Oregon's had from you know handling pressure, handling the media, handling all the expectations that come with playing that position fair and, and unfair. And he's right up there with Mario and Herbert. I am really interested, uh, again, to hear George Klyovkov, the, the Pac-12 commissioner, talk. Um, do you think – are you among those who believe he's got to address the media deal, or how does he address that, you know, in the morning session where he steps onto the podium? Yeah, I've tried not to – I let you and Wilner handle the reporting on, on <laughs> yeah, the thanks. actual deal. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I, and look, it's going to come from someone like you guys where, you know, you're not just dialed into one school like I am. Um, and, and so, but I do think he's got to address it. And it, cause if the more you don't, and the more you just say, Hey, there's things coming in, in the future, we, we feel confident. Uh, and, and that's all you say. And you, you wish the question away the more it just becomes fairy tale, tale land. Like we've heard this same line for over a year now, it feels like where, Hey, we're confident it's going to get done. We're confident. 
things are going to work out. We're good. We're happy. We're in a good place. We're, we're going to be here. And you just keep saying the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And you, you, you can't say that you have to address it, whether it's good or bad. Um, I, I hope he embraces it. I hope he opens up a little bit about it. I mean, how sweet it would be if that's the first thing he says, is, Hey, I'm, you know, in his monologue that the, that the commissioners always do when they open these press conferences is, you know, tout their league, you know, throw in the, hey, Oh, by the way, we've, we've signed a deal with X, Y, Z, and here we go. Um, I, you, you've got to address it in some standpoint. Uh, we are talking to Matt Prem, and we are uh, just days away from Pac-12 Media Day. All right, so um, uh, other other personalities in the conference. Uh, Deion Sanders will be there, Coach Prime, yeah. Shador Sanders. You know, if is there another interview that you you go, I got to sit in on that one. It's got to be Dion. I mean, simply because I'm about to be 37, and that's the guy that you know when I watched NFL as a kid, like was the most electrifying people on earth. Um, it's kind of like Bo Jackson was playing both sports, you know, he's yeah. playing baseball and he's playing football. And, you know, like I, that just to me is, is, is cool. Uh, I, I want to be in the room for when he speaks. I hope to be in there. I just to listen to him talk, listen to, you know, the whole press conference and see it. You know, we've seen press conferences with him on, on, on video, whether it's on YouTube, Twitter, or whatever, Facebook. Um, I kind of want to see if like, that's how they really go or if there's been some editing or what have you. Mm. Uh, that's, that's one for me. Um, there's also a, a Heisman winner in the building, Caleb Williams. Um, that would be another one for me. I would really like to hear that one. Um, and then I would love to hear just Lincoln Riley and Chip Kelly, just because what's their persona like? What's the SC UCLA school persona like? Cause this is the last year they're going to be technically in the PAC 12, uh, as we know it in the Pac-12's current form, as we know it, what's, what's the vibe going to be with those two schools? Cause it was pretty, it felt hostile last year. Uh, and the league I feel like is appears publicly outside the inner walls of the conference, more vulnerable today than it was this time last year. Yep. Uh, Matt Prem, I appreciate you. And uh, let me know if you play golf. I'm curious to see how that goes. Make sure you hydrate, man. If you do get out there. I will. I will. I'll, I'll be smart. So, but hydrate with water, not other stuff. Yeah, really I'll see. And I'll see you Friday. Uh, see you Friday. Sounds good. Resorts World. All right, Matt Prem. There he is. Twenty four seven Sports. Uh, and for those just tuning in, Pac twelve Media Day Friday. We will be live three to six p.m. I will have Caleb Williams on the show. I will have Lincoln Riley on the show. We will have Coach Prime on the show. Dan Lanning, Jonathan Smith, Bo Nix. Who else? We'll get them all. Commissioner Klyovkov on the show. Anybody who's anybody in the Pac-12, we'll have them one-on-one. They'll do a group setting with media, but then they will climb to the third floor of Resorts World on Radio Row. After the morning sort of introductory news conference, uh, they will start filtering in, and I will begin interviewing, and we will, from 3 p.m. to 6 p.m., share every interview. We won't give you the group setting stuff. We'll give you the one-on-ones. You'll hear me talking with... The players, coaches, and personalities in the Pac-12. Leave it here. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey uh, speaking today at the Grand Hyatt in Nashville, Tennessee, part of the uh, SEC's Media Day. He used the bulk of his time on stage repeating a message that he has uttered on this show and uh, across the country over the last few uh, few months and 
and even the last couple of years, really. He he talked about name, image, likeness. He is uh, repeating a message that um, that uh, I think a lot of other conference commissioners are talking about. Uh, Greg Sankey, uh, speaking uh, about two weeks ago with Joel Klatt, said this. I don't think there's anyone right now who says we stop or we pull, we, we pull fully back to where we were. Mm -hmm. But in essence, we have to think about the protections for young people so that they're not signing for what seems like a lot of money at 18 years old. And all of a sudden, they're a first-round draft pick at 23, and they realize there's an entanglement, and now they're in a court case uh, without the type of cleanliness around these deals that, that would be much more optimal. Yep. We have to adjust this system. Yeah. And we need help to do it, to do it properly. He's talking about Congress, and he doubled down today. He said the reality is only Congress can fully address the challenges facing college athletics. He said the NCAA cannot fix name, image, likeness. The courts cannot resolve the issues. The states cannot resolve the issues, and nor can the conferences. He talked about uh, NIL and the future of college athletics. Uh, it's going to be interesting. They'll become a 16-team conference in 2024. And uh, Greg Sankey was asked about the SEC potentially getting larger. Well, that is the subject of our big splash. Will they add teams? Let's do it. This is the one thing you absolutely need to know today. Look, look, look at it. Where? Down there. But the big splash. Greg Sankey, speaking at SEC Media Day, was asked about the possibility of the SEC growing beyond 16 teams. He shut it down. He said, quote, I've watched others message about we're not done yet. He said, I just don't think that's healthy. People can criticize me and say, wow, you really sprung it on people in 21, which we did. Maybe there's no clean and perfect way to deal with conference membership. But it's not been the topic in the Southeastern Conference. Other than providing updates, we're very attentive to what's happening around us. Do I think it's done? Well, people will say I get to decide that. Right now, it appears that others are going to decide that before we have to make any decisions. My view is we know who we are, and we're comfortable as a league. You go bigger, and there's a whole other set of factors that have to be considered with that. I'm not sure I've seen those teased out other than when my mind played played it out. Uh, Greg Sankey basically saying, uh, you know, we're, we're okay at 16, and we may not have to make a decision. Uh, was, that a, uh, was that a subtweet? Was that throwing a little shade at Brett Yormark there, Stephen? We're not done yet. Yeah, 100%. You know, because Brett Yormark's come out, and he's basically said, like, you know, we'll take on anybody. You know, they're bringing in UCF and uh, Houston, Cincinnati, uh, I'm blanking at UC or I'm blanking the other one, but you know BYU, the other four teams this next season, um, and he's been talking about UConn and Gonzaga, like they want as many as possible. But I think the SEC is in a spot where, like you said, and like Greg Zanke said, they're in a, they're comfortable with where they are, and they kind of run college football. Why would they need to add any of these extra teams? Yeah, they don't you know, have to. They don't have to. They got Texas. They got Oklahoma. Like those are two big brands. All right, cool. We understand that. Who else are you gonna go after and get? You can't get USC and UCLA. Like they're gone. So. I think they're in a great spot. They don't need to add teams. They, they're in a perfect spot because they, they run college football. Yeah, they do, and they matter. They're relevant, and and he's right. When you start to uh, add more teams, you start talking about diluting your media rights uh, package, and if you don't have the right media markets coming into your footprint, 
you're now talking about, you know, hey, in the Southeastern Conference, if you don't have all the big cities in the South already captured, which I think they do in the SEC, you now look at going, okay, do they get in? Do they do they try to go to Chicago? Do they try to go to, uh, you know, the northeastern part of the United States and some of the larger media markets? Do they try to go to Dallas-Fort Worth? Do they, do they try to go west? Well, all of a sudden, you're not the Southeastern Conference anymore. And David Shaw said that last year on Pac-12 Media Day when we talked on the show. He said that he felt geography would ultimately win out. I think there's a lot of people going to be interested to see how USC and UCLA fare when they go to the Big Ten because um, there is a competitive uh, balance that, that you have to have in order to compete in that conference. There's just a competitive nature and a, uh, a degree of proficiency you have to have in football or you don't matter. And then you throw on the travel on top of it, and it starts to get tricky. Nebraska figured that out. Bill Moose said that the days of going 10-2 and two at USC and UCLA are, are, are done. He said at Nebraska, we found it incredibly difficult to travel and stay competitive. We'll see what happens. So if you're the SEC, you got Alabama, you got Georgia, and some other years you have Auburn and LSU. You have dominated the four-team college football playoff. You have a great media deal. You are healthy and vibrant. You are so healthy and vibrant that you are able to fund your non-revenue generating sports like women's basketball at levels that others aren't. South Carolina spent $11 million on women's basketball. It's the number one program in the country when it came to uh, spending on women's college basketball. Guess who was second? LSU at $9.5 million. LSU walks off national champion winner. You can say... Hey, LSU has uh, you know had great coaching. You could say they recruited well. They had good players. You could just say it was their year. But it's really hard for me to not look at the Elite Eight and then and go, wait a minute. Most of the teams that were spending most of the money in women's college basketball made it to that round. Like that that there's a correlation directly between spending and you know being able to hire a coach like Kim Mulkey. And, and spend that kind of money at LSU and have Don Staley at South Carolina and to fund those programs, you know, how is that possible? Well, it's possible because the SEC is cleaning up with its media rights deal. Well, and don't but, you think that you talk about geography as well? I mean, it seems like the people down in the South, you know, it just means more crowd. Like, it really does. Yeah. I mean, like, you, they don't have the fit. And you talk about geography, but it's also the fit and the culture of these schools and these teams. Like, if they go out and they get schools, you know, from the Northwest, they don't have the same, you know, craziness that those people in the South do. So I, I think, like, they don't need to go out and add these teams. They have all the craziness that they need and all that they want, and it's really, you know, they've parlayed that into so much success money-wise and team-wise in all the sports. Yeah, and I think you have just a halo effect. It's a ripple effect, right? Is you know, and, and again, I'll go back to what UCLA Athletic Director Martin Jarman told me shortly after the Bruins left. You know, he's a Big Ten guy. And a lot of people looked at Jarmon and said, oh, gosh, there was a guy who was probably tugging UCLA towards the Big Ten. And I said to him, I said, I had one question for him. I just said, hey, how do, how do Pac-12 schools that are left behind in the Pac-12 who are getting like, well, let's just say they're getting $34 million a year in media rights distributions, how do they compete with the Big Ten schools that are getting $68 million? Okay, you're getting half as much money. How do you stay competitive? And he said, you're not going to see it in football. He said, Oregon, Washington, you know, Utah, Colorado, they're still going to fund football at a level that is, uh, you know, com competent or comparative to 
other schools in the Big Ten and the SEC. You're not going to see Oregon and Washington go, oh, we don't have the money there, so we're going to pull back in all areas. No, no, no. He said they're going to pull back in areas like non-revenue generating sports. So you're going to see the tightening of the purse strings in baseball and in track and field and volleyball and golf and tennis and other sports. Keep an eye on that as this thing kind of unfolds. Coming up, we will play Punch and Audio. We got great sound. Uh, Greg McElroy talking about his top team in the Pac-12. Who is it? It's not USC. McElroy crawling out on a limb. Also, uh, you got Bruce Feldman and Yogi Roth talking about Oregon State. You might be surprised with what they said about the Beavers. And Adam Schefter talking about how quietly good the Packers look right now. Plus, Steph Curry, how do he spend his weekend? You may have seen it on social media, but you'll hear it right here. I want you to leave it here. You got the BFT statewide. I really appreciate that you're long for the ride. We are one hour in the books, two hours to go on uh, a week that should be a big week. Will there be news? I'm making calls on the commercial breaks. I do have some intel on the Pac-12 front, what George Klyovkov will say on Friday. I'll share some of We interrupt this podcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, Sorry to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.